I believe in Christ, he is my king. With all my heart to him I'll sing. I'll raise my voice in praise and joy, in grand amens my tongue employ. Scriptures reveal the divine desires of the Lord in our behalf. Each of us should have a burning desire to search the scriptures diligently and daily to seek the will of the Lord in our life. Brothers and sisters, on very thin pages, thick with meaning, are some almost hidden scriptures. Hence we are urged to search, feast, and ponder. If you are lonely, please know you can find comfort. If you are discouraged, please know you can find hope. If you are poor in spirit, please know you can be strengthened. If you feel you are broken, please know you can be mended. All right, welcome everyone to Go and Do. Um, this is the lesson for 2 Nephi 31 through 33. This is the way. In this lesson, we'll talk about the plainness of the gospel and speaking with the tongue of angels, the types of behaviors that will bring us eternal life, what it means to endure to the end. The gospel of Jesus Christ is a gospel of action. The Spirit teaches us to pray and encourages, encourages more meaningful prayer. And when in doubt, we should believe in Christ and in turn, we'll believe in the words of the prophets. I'm Daniel. And I am Feely. And I'm Natalie. Yep, we're joined by Natalie Johnson uh, for this week's episode, and let's get started. For me, one thing that I thought was interesting is these three chapters are kind of Nephi's last message, mm -hmm. you know? And um, he decides to speak about Christ's baptism, uh, following the path, that this is the way. It's kind of the, the theme of, uh, of the lesson. And then he speaks... A little bit about well not a little bit he speaks about angels speak by the power of God how can you continue down this path and and there's one question where he says um, uh, pray unto the Father in the name of Christ that, that many of us if not all may be saved in the kingdom in the great last day so you know when the, the thing that stuck out to me is when we were reading in the part where he talks about angels speak by the power of God mm. um, and and then he speaks about prayer and I thought maybe just a thought I had is maybe he's speaking about revelation after after you've entered in the way after you've made covenants what are you supposed to do you're supposed to seek revelation you know and the and I feel like the narrow the narrowness of the path and the straightness of it says that there's a certain way, there's a very specific, precise way of entering. And once you enter, then you need to go seek revelation. And you do that by praying and, and seeking the Holy Ghost and those things. It's not very action-oriented. Definitely. Yeah. Um, I think it's in verse 13 of chapter 31. He kind of lists off a few things. He says, um, If you shall follow the Son with full purpose of heart, acting no hypocrisy and no deception before God, but with real intent, repenting of your sins, 
witnessing unto the Father that you are willing to take upon you the name of Christ by baptism. And it kind of struck me that at first I thought it was like a list of things you have to do, right? Have a full purpose of heart. Don't be a hypocrite. Don't be deceptive. And then it kind of dawned on me that maybe that's, he's saying with full purpose of heart, which is having no Mm. hypocrisy, no deception before God. Like, what is full purpose of heart? It's kind of a weird concept, a little bit abstract. But then he goes through and says, this is what that means. Mm -hmm. To not be a hypocrite, to not be deceptive, to have real intent, to repent, and to show to the Father that you're willing to take upon yourself the name of Christ. And all of that leads up me to believe, you know, that that's like the ultimate humility. To have full purpose of heart is to be absolutely hum- humble. Mm-hmm. Um, that you're not trying to do it for any gain or to prove something to someone. Or it's just pure desire to do what's right. Um, and then at the end of that is when he mentions, you know, then you can speak with the tongue of angels. And so that that phrase, tongue of angels we often talk about the gift of tongues as being like a linguistic ability, right? And so when you're speaking with the tongue of angels, I think it it also means that the things that you say, the things that are important to you are suddenly the things of God. Hmm. If you do this stuff, then your language changes. The way you think, the way you speak, the way you act um, is the way that an angel would, right? Or at least you're trying to do that. Yeah, yeah, that also makes me think of like just the way that we communicate in general, but especially with the Holy Ghost, like the way that we communicate spiritually. Um, I had a friend who would who would say like we are all spiritual beings, and so that's one of the primary ways that we can communicate is spiritually. And so that's kind of how I read that was was just that spiritual communication and that spiritual enlightenment that we can seek and receive, and and it might feel a little bit differently to every individual, but but we all are somehow communicating spiritually and have that capacity to do so, I think. Yeah. I like the, at the beginning of the lesson, the first section says, Jesus Christ and his doctrine are the only way to eternal life. And then we be- begin hearing about Jesus Christ's baptism and how he was the example, right? But then in verse 3 of 31, Nephi kind of says, For my soul delighteth in plainness, for after this manner doth the Lord God work among the children of men. For the Lord God giveth light unto the understanding. For he speaketh unto men according to their language and unto their understanding. And this is Nephi saying this. The same Nephi who a few chapters back is telling us how the plain and simple things of God's gospel are taken away or will be taken away in a future day by this abominable church or 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 different methods you know that that plainness in the last days is going to be attacked and i think sometimes we think plainness means unintelligent mm-hmm. it means simple, or dull. ignorant mm-hmm. and it's the opposite i think it's it's very easy to make things very complicated and i think very hard to keep things simple yeah that's really a good point well it's kind of like in architecture when you talk about minimalism it's one of the most difficult things to do because you can add in whatever you want to make things look ornate or to add structure and form but how can you do this how can you build something that does the same exact thing with as few moving parts as possible so it just is the simplest most minimalist thing 
And I think that's kind of what the gospel is. It's like we can add frills, you know, and many have. Many have made it seem like there's all these different levels of obedience and of, of structure and stuff. But it's like when it comes down to it, the gospel is so simple. And Christ basically said, just just do what I did, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't get any simpler than that. Even Even his baptism, it's like, I didn't have to be baptized for a remission of my sins. Mm-hmm. He didn't have sins, but he did it to show this is the next step. This is the first step into entering it, in that way. It shows me how humble mm-hmm. Heavenly Father and Jesus Christ are. Mm-hmm. Because I've, we've all met individuals, especially in in work-related or, or, or school, where they just want to bedazzle you with how much knowledge they have and they don't speak to the students understanding or or they you know it's more like they it's more you do it for yourself but to teach and to speak to someone's understanding especially heavenly father and jesus christ who know way more than we do right it really shows that they're interested in our development Mm -hmm. they're not just interested in talking down to us Mm -hmm. right yeah yeah, I loved verse 7 um, in chapter 31, where it says, um, according to the flesh, he humbleth himself before the Father. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that really stuck out to me this time reading this chapter, um, that partially why Christ was baptized was to demonstrate that humility. Um, and then as we continue reading, we see that you know, he was blessed with the Holy Ghost. And I think that that's also a true model for us, is that when we humble ourselves, one of the biggest gifts that we get is the gift of the Holy Ghost. And when you're prideful, the Holy Ghost doesn't want to stay around. Even if you have mm-hmm. the gift of the Holy Ghost, mm-hmm. like He can still leave you temporarily if you're not willing to be humble and obedient. Yeah, and part of that is just being teachable. I mean, one of the ways that we are taught again is by the Spirit. So if we're humble, then we're if we're not humble, then we're not in this state to be taught. Yeah. In verse 14, there's kind of a couple of questions I have about this one. It says, But behold, my beloved brethren, thus came the voice of the Son unto me, saying, After ye have repented of your sins, and witness unto the Father that ye are willing to keep my commandments by the baptism of water, and have received the baptism of fire and of the Holy Ghost, and can speak with a new tongue, yea, even with the tongue of angels, there's that again, and after this should deny me, it would have been better for you that ye had not known me. So, to me, this kind of is saying baptism is a decision that shouldn't be taken lightly. It also means that you should remember to uh, continue strengthening your testimony. But I, I would also add in there the sacrament. Yeah. Because it's not a one-time event. We do it every week. It's a renewal of our baptismal covenants. But then that, that last part, and after this should deny me, it would be better, would have been better for you that you had not known me. What does it mean to deny Christ? Like, how do you know if you have? <laughs> or what, what's the line, right? Yeah. Where it's like, I'm just being petulant or disobedient, or am I denying Christ? I, I, would, I would answer that with verse 13, the beginning of verse 13, where it says, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, I know that if ye shall follow the Son with full purpose of heart, acting no hypocrisy and no deception before God, but with real intent, repenting of your sins, witnessing unto the Father. I think a lot of times we do things without full purpose of heart, meaning not fully committed, with hypocrisy, 
with some deception, <laughs> with real intent, and not before God, but before man, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and I know that sounds really harsh, but that's the truth. I've done that. I've done things because, oh, I don't want them to see me not take the sacrament or, or or I was just thinking about something and not being in the moment or or I kind of have made little deals where oh if this happens then I will do this and, and you start to like bargain with God as opposed to just fully saying let me do whatever you want me to do whatever is the right thing to do you know and that's a hard thing I mean we live in a world where if someone really stands by what they believe Oftentimes we, they're criticized, mm-hmm. not looked on as, hey, I respect your decision to be to to act how you believe. Yeah, sometimes it's easier to be fully um, with have a full purpose of heart in a if, if you're in a vacuum. But <laughs> but the world isn't that way. You know, there are a lot of hard relationships that we have to navigate and be sensitive to people that we love, but also stay fully committed to Christ and sometimes those feel like they're at odds with each other yeah. with that at the in the second part of this lesson where it says Jesus Christ set an example to be obedient and be baptized at the end it gives a pretty good challenge to all of us it says the ordinance of the sacrament is a weekly opportunity for you to recommit to follow Jesus Christ the next time you partake of the sacrament consider reading second Nephi that verse that you just read and pondering your determination to follow the Son with full purpose of heart and willingness and to take upon you the name of Christ. And I think that, you know, whatever we can do to make the sacrament more meaningful, to be more present, and it's hard. It's hard when kids are being crazy, <laughs> and sometimes it's hard when even not other people's kids are being crazy. You know, it's hard when you're, you know, maybe very nervous for a lesson you're going to give, you know, and and what what we're expected to do is to do our best, and we know when it's our best when we're being sincere. Um, and I mean, we're we're speaking, and we're following the Savior, who is the kindest individual, the the individual that s- said, "I will go and and suffer for all of these." You know, um, so. He understands that not every event is going to be perfect, you know, but we have to continue to try, you know. Yeah, and along that, I think in verses 19 and 20, it basically gives us the playbook to obtain eternal life. Um, It says, And now, my beloved brethren, after you have gotten into this straight and narrow path, I would ask if all is done. Behold, I say unto you, Nay. For ye have not come thus far, save it were by the word of Christ, with unshaken faith in him, relying wholly upon the merits of him who is mighty to save. Wherefore, and here come the steps, right? You must press forward with a steadfastness in Christ. That's step one. Which to me means, keep following his example. Having a perfect brightness of hope, which to me means never allowing yourself to give up or despair. Like, even if things get bad, keep turning back and saying, no, I have hope. He is my hope and a love for God and of all men, which to me means showing charity and service. If you continue to involve yourself in having charity for others and serving others, then you'll be okay. Um, Wherefore, if you shall press forward, feasting upon the word of Christ, studying the scriptures, and probably listening to general conference and studying the words there, 
and endure to the end, which to me, when gr- growing up, that always felt like, okay, you've done everything, now just withstand it, right? <laughs> just, just, don't, just don't be crazy and you'll be all right. But it's like, keep doing all of those steps mm-hmm. until you die for the rest of your life. That's mm-hmm. what it means. It's not just like, okay, you know, if I just sit in this chair, I've, I've checked all the boxes, if I just sit in this chair and wait till I die, I'll be okay. Yeah. No, you got to keep doing all those other steps too. Mm-hmm. Keep showing charity. Keep studying. Keep uh, having hope and and trying to spread that to others as well. Endure sounds like you're, like it's a painful thing. <laughs> like mm-hmm. I'm going to endure this. But uh, one of my friends once told me, think about using the word, um, continue to progress till the end. Continue to progress till the end. Mm-hmm. And that that seemed to make a little bit more sense to me. I like how it, it, the last step is share it with others, basically. Mm. And, you know, we, we tend to do that naturally. When something good happens to us, we share, we want to share it with those whom we love. You know, when, when we have the best hamburger ever, <laughs> what do we do? In, in even our whole society, we like to post about it. We like to share. But you look at your kids or your family, you know, you, you want to share with them, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was thinking about the same thing about how enduring sounds painful. Um, but reading this verse, like reading the first half especially, it doesn't ever sound dark or dreary or hard. I mean, like a perfect brightness of hope and a love of God and all men. Like that just sounds light and glorious to me, <laughs> you know? Right. So if we're doing it... I don't know. I would not say if I was gonna say if we're doing it the right way, then it'll be joyful. Sometimes it'll still be hard, but um, but I do think that that at the root of it, I mean, it does it just it brings lasting joy, even the enduring part. So the next part on thirty-two, in in the lesson, where it moves to the Holy Ghost will show me what I should do. You know, and in verse thirty-two, verse three, it says, "Angels speak by the power of the Holy Ghost, wherefore they speak the words of Christ." Wherefore, I say unto you, feast upon the words of Christ, for behold, the words of Christ will tell you all things what ye should do. Now, the practical part of me says, there's a certain amount of words in the scriptures, that it's talking about feast on the scriptures, feast on his teachings. But these words, there won't be anything here about a job interview, right? There won't be anything here about you know, when my kid decides to watch YouTube and, and, and watches something bad, right? You know, but it's true. And so it must mean something more than, than what we think are just these words. How can the words of Christ teach us all things we should do is the question. I think a lot of times it's kind of like input. What you put in is what comes out and... When you're feeding yourself the words of Christ, what's the first thing that's going to come to mind when something comes up? Something that the last things that you read or that you saw or whatever, those will be fresher in your mind. And so if you're constantly remembering to to read the scriptures and study, then when you have a challenge or when an issue comes up, the first thing that's going to come to mind is some scripture. That's happened to me several times, especially recently as we've been studying this in a more detailed way. You know, something will come up, somebody will say, oh, I don't know what I should do. And then immediately, like, scriptures will come to my mind. And it's kind of, like, really weird because it 
didn't always happen like that for me. You know, sometimes it would be uh, some other philosophy or some movie example or something like that, you know. But as you're putting it in your mind, that's the first thing that's going to be fresh there when you need it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was also thinking this and then also even just the end of, of chapter 31. Um, I was talking to a friend recently and and I was like, what, like, we were, it was in the context of dating and like, 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 what else should I be doing to like find my eternal companion or whatever? Like, should I be involved in, in different things or should I do different things? Or, anyway, just that whole conversation. And, and he said, the shortest distance from any point A to point B is a straight line. Um, and the path of Jesus Christ is a straight and narrow. And so basically he was saying whatever, whatever you do, like you'll get there fastest by following Christ. And, and I, I don't know if fastest is quite the right word, maybe most efficiently. But if you're just following Christ, then you don't need to worry about all of the other complexities. And, and I think that, that, yeah, if you're immersing yourself in, in the words of, of Christ and, and the words of his prophets, then, and you're actually diligently following those and you're really invested in those things, then I think that you'll, you'll accomplish what you need to accomplish. It'll, the Spirit will be with you and you'll, um, you'll be guided to where you need to go. Well, and notice at the end of that scripture, it doesn't say, uh, for behold, the words of Christ will tell you all things what you should say or mm-hmm. think <laughs> or hypothesize, right? It says mm-hmm. all the things you should do. Yeah. So it's a very, like you were saying, action-oriented, mm-hmm. right? You can read the scriptures, but it doesn't do a whole lot of good for you unless you're willing to act on them. Yeah. Right. You know, the thought I had was, for baptism, we enter in the way. You know, that's the entrance to the path, right? But then it's funny that it's called the gift of the Holy Ghost. Then you get this gift. The, and, and through that gift, you will receive the words of Christ that you need personally. Mm-hmm. You know, the ones that are in between the, the verses here, the ones that live inside the scriptures. And then... You know, the scriptures become alive because now you've learned how to receive revelation. And then you will get answers about the job interview, about your kid doing something crazy, about your car. You know, all of these things matter. The next part says the Book of Mormon persuades all to believe in Christ. Yeah, in in verse 6, it kind of gets at that. It says, uh, this is chapter 32, verse 6. It says, Behold, this is the doctrine of Christ. After he's talked about all this stuff. And there will be no more doctrine given until after he shall manifest himself unto you in the flesh. And when he shall manifest himself unto you in the flesh, the things which he shall say unto you, ye shall observe to do. And my question for you guys, is he telling them that basically, you know, the first principles and the ordinances of the gospel are these things. Don't worry about other stuff. Don't worry about more details than that until Christ comes to outline them specifically. Is that kind of what he's saying? You know, have faith, repent, be baptized, receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, study the scriptures. If you do that stuff, you'll be okay. He's going to come and give you more. But until then, this is what you need to focus on. I often think about our desire to have the second coming (laughs) happen. And for me, I think being prepared for the second coming doesn't just mean that you're righteous. But I think it means that you are susceptible to change. And 
one of the ways that we learn how to change in our lives, how to stay malleable, is through the sacrament. Every week we're asked to be introspective and to improve something. I think if we don't learn how to continuously improve, when Christ comes and tells us what it's like to live in the celestial kingdom, it may be beyond our understanding or our ability. Mm-hmm. And so I think when I when you read that scripture, the thought I had was he's teaching us, he's telling us, master these principles. Mm-hmm. And after these principles are masters, there is more. Mm-hmm. But I'm not going to overwhelm you. It's almost like when he's speaking with Moses and he shows him all the earths and, and things. And he says, they're, they're numbered unto me, but I will talk to you about yours. Mm-hmm. You know, because right now you got to worry about things you can control, mm-hmm. you know. Well, I think I agree. I think part of um, part of this too is mastering these these basic elements of the doctrine, and once we do that, we'll be worthy for Him to manifest Himself unto us. I had an institute teacher who we were talking about general conference a few years ago, and somebody in the class was frustrated that um, why do they just keep talking about reading your scriptures and praying? Like, <laughs> like come on, like give me something more, give me something like juicy. But we hear so much and we're taught over and over these really basic things because we need to master those before we can get further instructions and, and further guidance. Um, so I think part of it is making us worthy for, like just to receive that additional instruction. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and you can tell in verse 7 that Nephi knew more. Mm-hmm. He knows beyond what, what those things are going to be. But he says, I cannot say more, the Spirit stoppeth my utterance. Mm-hmm. And I am left to mourn because of the unbelief and the wickedness and the ignorance and the stiffness of man. For they will not search knowledge nor understanding great knowledge when it is given unto them in plainness. <laughs> so I feel he's kind of saying, I, I can't tell you more because it would be, uh, you would be unable to understand it because you're so stiff-necked and ignorant and a whole lot of things <laughs> that you won't try these simple things mm. and because they appear simple you don't think they can lead you to even greater knowledge and in the latter part of the next verse he says for if you would hearken unto the spirit which teacheth a man to pray you would know that ye must pray for the evil spirit teacheth not a man to pray but teaches him that he must not pray and then nine but behold i say unto you that you must pray always and not faint and I think he's kind of saying a lot of this stuff you may not fully understand or feel 100% bought into yet, but just keep remember that you need to pray always and that the Spirit will remind you to do so. And I think whenever I've had contentious feelings, um, whether it's with family or at work or whatever, it's like the last thing I want to do is pray. Mm-hmm. And that is, I think, what Nephi is saying here is that those are the times when you need to pray the most because it's when the evil spirit is teaching you not to pray, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, you don't want to go there. But oftentimes I'll start to pray even though I don't want to. I'll just kind of go off by myself because I'm like, this is not working. And I'll start praying and then immediately I'm like humbled, you know? Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, yeah, I'm overreacting or yeah, <laughs> this is not that big a deal. Yep. And He's kind of showing them a lot of these things you may not fully understand, but if you pray and you remember to do that always um, and not faint, then it'll lead you down the right way. You'll be okay. Can I ask a follow-up question to both of you? Um, 
have your prayers changed over time? Like, I feel like I've noticed that in myself, like the more that I'm um, trying to receive revelation and, and learning how to receive revelation for myself, like I feel like my prayers are changing and I feel like, you know, I haven't like totally figured it all out yet, <laughs> but I'm just curious if you have any insights into, into that. I think so. I think, especially when I was like a teenager, um, my prayers were basically just to fulfill the commitment of saying a prayer, and it's kind of like, yeah, amen, you know, let's eat. Um, and sometimes it's definitely that way still, but a lot of times I think I try to have more of conversations with Heavenly Father and just kind of be open and honest about what I'm going through and what I'm thinking and feeling and what my concerns are, and sometimes just vocalizing those. You know, someone might say, well, just saying it out loud, you're sorting through it. But definitely I feel, um, even if I don't get an immediate answer, sometimes saying it and knowing that I'm saying it to someone makes a difference enough. Mm -hmm. And then oftentimes it could be days, weeks, even months later, something happens and I'm like, whoa, that's the answer I was looking for, you mm -hmm. know? Um, I wish it was instantaneous, but <laughs> it never is, mm -hmm. <laughs> hardly ever is. For me, I, I've, having family prayers with my wife and my kids, and it's mostly, we pray for each other, and it has helped me feel more love, you know? And the fact that we do it every day, the prayer doesn't have to be super long because we're only praying from now till next time we pray, right? And I think that taught me and changed the way I pray personally because I, I usually, I get in my car, I back out, I close the garage door and then I sit in the driveway and then I say my prayer in the car. And the way I usually pray now, which in the past I would kind of pray generally for everything good that ever could be, <laughs> you know? And now I kind of pray, and it's almost like I go through my agenda. Here's what I'm doing today. Here's the meetings I'm having. Here's here's what I'm concerned about this meeting. Here's this. And as I pray about it, it's almost like I start thinking and feeling, maybe I should do this, maybe I should do that. And even when I have anxiety, after I've gone through that, it's almost like a mental plan of my day. Mm things that I was anxious about, I'm no longer anxious. And then when I come back and kind of think back on what happened during the day, 99.9% .9 of the time, I just feel gratitude that it all went well, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's, you know, and I've had maybe two or three times where I've received like, this is the answer, do this. But most of the time, it's just... I'm laying out what I'm set out to do. Here's the concerns I have. And then coming back and saying, I'm so grateful everything went well, <laughs> you know? Something interesting lately, so I've been um, in the process of buying a condo, mm. which is terrifying. Because <laughs> um, I'm doing it by myself and I, you know, I've been living with roommates for the last 11 years or whatever. And I, I don't know, I've had some um, just as I've matured in my testimony and my understanding of my relationship with God, like my, my prayers have changed, but, but just recently it's been in my mind a lot, the way that I've been praying to know that this is the right thing to do, or like that this particular condo is the right condo or whatever. And I've had a, like, it's been super stressful and I've had a lot of anxiety about, about money and about, you know, my new ward or whatever it's going to be. 
and it's been really interesting. Um, I've been trying to focus on, and I had a note here somewhere. I don't remember where, what verse it was on, but, but focusing our prayers on, oh, here it is. It is in verse nine of, th- of chapter 32 about consecra- consecrating thy performance unto God. And so I, I've been trying to focus more on like, okay, will this help me fulfill the mission that you have mm. for me? Whether that's um, just the way that I can contribute to to a ward, whether that's a family ward or a singles ward, if it's meeting people that I need to serve, people that I need to learn from, you know, callings that I'll have or neighbors that I will meet or whatever it is, um, like how will, I, I just pray that, that this change will help me fulfill whatever mission you have well, in store I'm- for me. Honestly, I think no matter which condo you choose, <laughs> going in with that mindset, it'll present itself with opportunities. Yeah. You'll come across people and you're like, maybe I'm here for this person. Maybe you were, maybe you weren't. Yeah, who knows? But yeah, now you are. You <laughs> right, know? right. Like, yes, that's mm-hmm. an opportunity. Take it, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So in the, last, in the last chapter, in chapter 33, Nephi, he begins saying, I cannot write all things that were taught among my people. And then he speaks a little bit about writing's a little bit hard because it's better to speak because when you speak, you can feel the power (laughs) of the Holy Ghost, right? And then he says, verse 2, he's talking about many people harden their hearts against the Holy Spirit, that it has no place in them. And they cast many things away because they don't esteem them to be important enough, right? Because their hearts are hard. And then verse 3, he kind of says why he's done all this. I, Nephi, have written what I have written, and I esteem it as of great worth, especially unto my people. For I pray continually for them by day, and my eyes water my pillow by night because of them. And I cry unto my God in faith, and I know that he will hear my cry. And I know the Lord God will consecrate my prayers for the gain of my people. And so he's doing all of this for his posterity. It's very kind and emotional and then in verse 6 he goes back to I glory in plainness I glory in truth I glory in my Jesus for he hath redeemed my soul from hell and I have charity for my people in great faith in Christ and I shall meet many souls spotless at his judgment seat and I feel like there's such Nephi has gone through a emotional roller coasters all his mm-hmm. life he's been and he's felt very alone especially after they've departed from Laman and Lemuel and his father had died we re- get into some chapters where he feel like they were kind of a very solemn people and they were wanderers but then they kind of end with we lived at after the matter of happiness and then he gets here and he's kind of giving his last testimony and his commandments in which he's saying and I glory in Christ, the one that from the beginning told us, go back and get the plates, go back and find some wives, go back and or, or help me with my bow, help me with this boat, untie these bands. Well, it, that's actually one of the questions in the Sunday School Manual. It says, what passages or stories from First and Second Nephi have persuaded us to do good and believe in Christ? And you think about what he's been through the last few years of his life. He's in a completely new land. We don't even know what struggles they went through mm-hmm. arriving in a new land, learning how to farm a new land. That can't be easy. Mm-hmm. New climate, new weather, new animals, new, you oh, know. Like capybara coming and <laughs> <down> the fields. <laughs> no, just kidding. Yeah, but like we don't even know the majority of the stuff that they went through. 
we only know of the big things. Mm -hmm. And how many times did he say, you know, you need to trust in God and remind his brothers when they were flipping out, stop, we need to just have faith. And yet we talk about how great Nephi was and he deflects it. And he's like, no, I glory in my Jesus. It's not me, right? It's always him helping me. Yeah. And that's, that's definitely how we have to be. We have to be that way in, in anything that comes our way. We can't be like, wow, I'm glad I figured all that out, you know? <laughs> but remember to give credit where credit's due. Mm -hmm. You look at all the prophets whose dispensations they knew were going to fall. And they all wrote for our dispensation. And I get a little sense of that from, from Nephi that when he says, and I, I shall meet many souls spotless. I, ho I hope he's thinking of us, you know? Yeah. Because he knows his civilization will eventually fall. And he's prophesied it many times how that's going to happen. And the Gentiles are going to come with the Bible and help them out. And, and a great seer is going to come and bring these words out of the dust and, and all of this. And then you, you see that although some of the things he had to hear and see were probably not pleasant, Ultimately, he finds great joy and hope because Christ, at the end of the day, will fix everything. And I think that's true of our lives, you know. We will go through emotional roller coasters. It may not all come out the same, and it's definitely not comparable to our neighbor's life. <laughs> mm -hmm. But in the end, you know, Christ, Christ will fix everything. Mm -hmm. Along those lines, in verses 11 and 15, he kind of talks about, it's almost a warning. <laughs> he says, And if, if they are not the words of Christ, judge ye, for Christ will show unto you with power and great glory that they are his words at the last day. And you and I shall stand face to face before his bar, and ye shall know that I have been commanded of him to write these things, notwithstanding my weakness. And then verse 15, For what I seal on earth shall be brought against you at the judgment bar. For, for thus hath the Lord commanded me, commanded me, and I must obey. Amen. And I think part of it is him kind of, once again, he's talking to two audiences. He's talking to the audience in front of him, and he's talking to us, saying, I haven't made this up. This is not the gospel of Nephi, invented by Nephi. This is what I've been told to write, and you will be held accountable. Once you've read it, you will be held accountable for it. And part of that is that we'll be judged according to our context and what we know. But kind of saying, you know, I'll, I'll be face to face with you. It reminds me of a, an experience I had on my mission where there was a family we were teaching and um, the mom and the kids wanted to be baptized and the dad didn't want to go through certain steps to allow that to happen. Um, they weren't married and they had to get married in order to be baptized. And he didn't want to do like... He, all he had to do was like go into the Capitol and get a new government document because his old one was expired. That's all he had to do to be able to be baptized. And he was like, no, it's too expensive and it's travel and all this stuff. And if you guys pay for it, maybe I'll do it. And I'm like, look, this is the trial of your faith. This is one small step for eternity. And we worked with him for a long time and he wouldn't do it. And he wouldn't do it. And I said, look, your wife really wants to be baptized. At this point, it's you. And we had this really strong moment where we were basically like, we've taught you everything there is to teach. Now it's a decision you're making. Mm. And 
you will be held accountable for this decision. It was kind of that same situation where we're like, you do realize that you know all of this now, you know, mm-hmm. and you need to act on it. And you not acting on it will lead to not good results. And um, unfortunately, he did not budge. You know, he was just like, no, nah, nah, I don't want to. He didn't have a testimony of it. And in that sense, I think um, I, I hope that in the future he was able to change that. But a lot of the times, you know, as we're reading Nephi and all the stuff that he's talking about, and then here at the very end, the last few verses that he says, he's basically saying, look, now now that we have the gospel spelled out in front of us, we're held accountable for that. And it's also kind of a message to all the other prophets coming after <laughs> yeah. to say, it's probably not very easy to engrave things on plates or however they did it, right? But... But, you know, they, they must have all looked at him. And even later when we see third or fourth Nephi, they were named after Nephi and Lehi. Nephi and Lehi later on to remember them of them and how great they were and what an example they set. Um, something I was thinking about with verse 10 when I read that this week, I um, it really stood out to me. Um, hearken unto these words and believe in Christ. And if you believe not in these words, believe in Christ. And if you should believe in Christ, you will believe in those words. I think, I think, I don't know. I must have, when I read the Book of Mormon before, I don't know if I was just really excited to like finish the like second Nephi and I didn't read this <laughs> chapter very closely. But there are a lot of um, little hidden gems. But, but this verse specifically stood out to me because um, of some recent experiences that I've had. Um, Last year, I I was going through th- through some stuff, and I was kind of bogged down by like some culture things, um, some church culture things, and and I just and I, I lived back east for a couple of years, and I just really missed the feeling of the church out there. And I feel like sometimes um, culture can make things a, a little murky in Utah. But for myself, I was like, I don't know if I want to go to church in Utah anymore. Like, it's not that I don't want to go to church, but I wish that I could like live here, but like go to church <laughs> back east. Like, yeah. I mi- I just missed it. I missed it a lot. Um, and so I started kind of examining things in my life and, and different elements of the church. It's like, okay, well, like take a step back. Let's look at this piece by piece. Like, do you still believe in God? Resounding yes. Do you believe in Jesus Christ as your savior? Resounding yes. Do you believe in the Book of Mormon? And I thought, yeah, I do. I really do. I believe that this really happened, that this was real. And so I kind of went through that, you know, do you believe that Joseph Smith um, translated the Book of Mormon? And I did. And anyway, so it just, for me, it was, it. this verse kind of reflected my own experience of like, I started questioning all of these things. And then I had to take a closer examination of all of the individual pieces. And then I saw exactly how they all supported each other. And it's like, okay, I like, Hands down, I know I believe in God and Jesus Christ, and I believe in the Book of Mormon, and so that's what I'm going to hang on to, and then the other things come or come back after a while. Yeah, and Nephi is saying, even if you don't believe what I'm saying, take a step back and go back to the, the roots, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Believe in Christ. Exactly. Now reread what I've just said, and you'll find that that resonates true. Yep, exactly. Right? Mm-hmm. This is the way. This is the way. <laughs> <laughs> The Book of Mormon is truly the keystone of our religion and that a man and woman will get nearer to God by abiding by its precepts than by any other book. And if you then go and do what he would have you do, 
your power to trust Him will grow. And in time, you will be overwhelmed with gratitude to find that He has come to trust you. There is no end to the good we can do, to the influence we can have with others. Let us not dwell on the critical or the negative. Let us pray for strength. Let us pray for capacity and desire to assist others. Let us radiate the light of the gospel at all times and in all places, that the Spirit of the Redeemer may radiate from us. My dear brothers and sisters, Jesus Christ invites us to take the covenant path back home to our heavenly parents and be with those we love. He invites us to come, follow me.